0: Dr. Baliga here. This podcast is on treatment of prostate cancer. It is derived from an outstanding chapter on genitourinary malignancies in Baliga's textbook of internal medicine with 1480 multiple choice questions. This outstanding chapter is authored by Dr. Arjun Baylar, MD, and Dr. Matthew Miloski, MD. Dr. Baylar is the director of the genitourinary medical oncology program at NYU Langone's Matter Cancer Center, where he leads a team of medical oncologists, nurse practitioners, social workers, and other care providers who are dedicated to treating people with genito-urinary cancer such as prostate cancer, bladder cancer, kidney cancer, and testicular cancer. Dr. Matthew Milowski, MD, is the George Gabriel Belair Distinguished Professor of bladder and genitourinary cancer research. He's also the section chief of genitourinary oncology and co-director of the Urologic Oncology program at the University of North Carolina's School of Medicine, Lineberger Comprehensive Cancer Center. Treatment of localized prostate cancer, radical prostatectomy, external beam radiation therapy with or without brachytherapy and surveillance are acceptable treatment options for clinically localized prostate cancer. Although there is more long-term follow-up data with radical prostatectomy as compared to radiation therapy, no randomized trials have established the superiority of either modality and outcomes appear to be similar. The choice of treatment should be based on the stage and grade of prostate cancer as well as the age and health of the patient. Ideal candidates for radical prostatectomy are those diagnosed initially with organ confined T1 and T2 cancers whereas patients with locally advanced cancer may be best treated with androgen deprivation therapy with external beam radiation therapy. In localized disease, It is first risk into low risk, intermediate risk, and high risk. Low risk is where the Gleason score is less than six, PSA less than 10 nanograms per ml, and the disease is limited to one lobe of the prostate. Treatment choices in low risk include radical prostatectomy, radiation, or observation. In intermediate risk, localized disease, that is where Gleason score is 7, PSA is between 10 to 20 nanograms per mil and there's bilateral lobe disease. The treatment options are radical prostatectomy, radiation or observation if limited life expectancy. In high-risk localized disease where the Gleason score is greater than 8, PSA is greater than 20 nanograms per ml. There's extra capsular extension or seminal vesicle invasion or invasion of the adjacent structures that is locally advanced. Treatment options are radiation with androgen deprivation therapy, observation with androgen deprivation therapy if life expectancy is less than 5 years. Radical prostatectomy may also be considered. Radical prostatectomy involves removal of the prostate, seminal vesicles, and ampullae of the vas deferens. And can be performed via an open retropubic or laparoscopic, that is, with or without robotic assistance, approach. Associated complications include incontinence in 5-10% to 10% and erectile dysfunction in greater than 50%, which are also dependent on patient age and medical comorbidities. Patients who are found to have locally advanced prostate cancer during surgery, example extracapsular extension, seminal vesicle invasion or positive surgical margins should be considered for adjuvant radiation therapy to reduce the risk of local recurrence and improve survival. Patients with lymph node involvement at the time of surgery should be considered for adjuvant androgen deprivation therapy. Radiation therapy of prostate cancer. The most commonly used methods of radiation therapy are external beam uh, radiotherapy and transperineal implantation of radioisotopes or brachytherapy aka radiation seeds brachytherapy can be combined with external beam radiotherapy in patients with high volume or high gleason score disease or used as monotherapy in low volume or low gleason score disease radiation therapy is administered typically over 8 to 10 weeks It is less likely to cause urinary incontinence or erectile dysfunction in the short term, but is associated long-term side effects such as radiation proctitis and cystitis and may increase the risk of secondary malignancies in the surrounding tissues, example, rectum and bladder. Brachytherapy and newer radiation modalities such as intensity modulated radiation, that is IMRT, were designed to minimize radiation exposure to surrounding tissue. A transient rise in PSA after brachytherapy, referred to as a PSA bounce, can occur up to 20 months after treatment and does not necessarily signify recurrent disease. Surveillance, two forms of surveillance strategies, active surveillance and watchful waiting are commonly used in patients with localized prostate cancer. Active surveillance involves regular monitoring of PSA, digital rectal exam and repeat prostate biopsies to monitor for disease progression in patients with low risk disease and thereby delay definitive treatment until needed. That is a rise in PSA or change in the volume or grade of prostate cancer upon repeat biopsy indicating a change in cancer biology. This strategy is useful in the otherwise healthy patient who has small volume, low risk prostate cancer which is often diagnosed in the setting of an abnormal PSA alone. Watchful waiting involves no active monitoring and delays treatment until there is clinical evidence of progression. This method is ideal in elderly or frail patients with other high-risk medical comorbidities which pose a greater threat to his life. In locally advanced prostate cancer, because of the high risk of occult disease beyond the prostate in patients with high risk or locally advanced prostate cancer, radical prostatectomy, given the potential morbidity and risk associated with this surgery, most often should be avoided. These patients instead are managed best with external beam radiotherapy with neoadjuvant concurrent or adjuvant Androgen deprivation therapy, four to six months of androgen deprivation therapy for intermediate risk disease and two to three years for high-risk disease. These have been shown to improve survival over radiation therapy alone. Treatment of metastatic prostate cancer. Prostate cancer is exquisitely androgen-dependent. And therefore, androgen deprivation therapy is the standard first-line treatment for metastatic prostate cancer. Approximately 80% of the patients will respond. A variety of hormone therapies can be used during the course of management for metastatic prostate cancer. The most commonly used class of hormonal agents are gonadotropin-releasing hormone, GNRH agonists which cause chemical castration by eliminating testicular production of androgens via inhibition of the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis. The median duration of response is 18 to 24 months as over time, prostate cancer develops compensatory mechanisms to overcome androgen deprivation, the so-called castration resistance. Subsequent changes in androgen deprivation therapy or hormone manipulation such as the addition of an androgen receptor blocker can resensitize prostate cancer cells to the effects of androgen deprivation. In castration-resistant metastatic prostate cancer CRMPC toxitaxel plus prednisone was the first chemotherapy regimen shown to improve survival and represents a standard treatment option. Recently Abiraterone acetate, a novel small molecule that inhibits androgen production in the testes and adrenal glands as well as the tumor itself, so-called autocrine production, has led to an improvement in survival after docetaxel. Other treatments for castration-resistant metastatic prostate cancer include cabazitaxel, a novel taxane chemotherapy, and zelotivirum a novel inhibitor of nuclear translocation of the androgen receptor and ciple cell t an autologous cellular immunotherapy product. Neuroendocrine prostate cancer is an aggressive variant that typically presents with visceral metastasis including lung, liver and brain involvement. It mimics small cell lung carcinoma and is commonly managed similarly with etoposide and platinum-based chemotherapy. Patients with castration resistant metastatic prostate cancer to the bone should be offered adjunctive therapy such as zolindronic acid, which is an intravenous bisphosphonate, or denosumab, which is an antibody to rank ligand to prevent skeletal complications. Osteonecrosis of the jaw is a major complication of bisphosphonate therapy. The risk is increased with recent dental work. Hypocalcemia is a major complication of denosumab therapy. Spine metastasis with a risk of spinal cord compression should be treated with emergent surgery or radiotherapy if castration resistant or immediate androgen depletion with ketoconazole or elix if castration sensitive with or without surgery or radiation therapy. Bone targeted radiopharmaceuticals such as Strontium 89 or Samarium 153 are indicated for multifocal painful osteoblastic bone metastasis for rapid pain relief but are typically used as palliation in patients who have already received systemic chemotherapy. The major dose limiting toxicity is myelosuppression Palliative radiotherapy can also be used to treat focal pain related to a single or a few painful bone metastases. The approach to metastatic prostate cancer depends on risk. There are four levels of risk, rising PSA only. The second is clinical metastasis, which is non-castrate. The third is clinical metastasis, which is castrate. And the fourth is clinical metastasis after first-line chemotherapy. In rising PSA only, that is detectable PSA after radical prostatectomy or biochemical recurrence after EBRT, the so-called Phoenix criteria, the approach is GnRH analog or observation. In clinical metastasis, which is non-castrate, which is evidenced by clinical metastasis responsive to androgen deprivation therapy, the treatment option is Androgen ther- deprivation therapy, which includes gonadotropin-releasing hormone analog with or without androgen receptor blockade. In clinical metastasis, castrate, there is clinically evident metastasis with, which is no longer responsive to androgen de- deprivation therapy. In such patients, androgen de- deprivation therapy plus doxorubicin and prednisone or AB. Retirone or sipuleucel T is administered. With bone mets begin with zoledronic acid or denosumab or skeletal related event prevention. In those with clinical metastasis after first-line chemotherapy which is clinically evident metastasis which is no longer responsive to androgen de- deprivation therapy or first-line chemotherapy therapeutic options are cabazitaxel, abiraterone, superluosel D, enzulatamide or clinical trials. Bone Mets the options are strontium 89, samarium 153 for bone pain. Homolotherapies utilized in the treatment of prostate cancer act at either hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis or adrenal gland or directly on the prostate cancer cell. Agents which act on the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis include Duprolide which is a gonadotropin releasing agonist or relics, which is a gonadotropin releasing hormone antagonist. Agents which act on the adrenal gland include ketoconazole which acts by inhibiting CYP17 Agents which act on the prostate cancer cell include androgen receptor blockers such as biclutamide, flutamide, nilutamide and enzalutamide. CYP17 inhibitor, abiraterone, also acts on the prostate cancer cell. Natural history and prognosis of prostate cancer. Organ-confined prostate cancer can be effectively cured with surgery or radiation a variety of nomograms have been developed. Example, the uh, Sloan-Kettering Cancer Center risk assessment tools that combine factors with clinical stage, Gleason score, PSA, and the number and extent of positive prostate biopsies to predict the likelihood that the patient will remain disease-free after radical prostatectomy or radiation therapy. Small and well-differentiated prostate cancer with Gleason scores 2 to 6 are usually organ-confined and generally have an indolent course. Large volume and poorly differentiated cancers with Gleason scores 8 to 10 are often locally advanced or metastatic at presentation. Metastatic prostate cancer has a median survival of 2 to 3 years. Survival after initiation of systemic chemotherapy for progressive Castration-resistant, metastatic prostate cancer is typically one and a half to two years. Typical sites of metastasis include regional lymph nodes, followed by distant lymph nodes and bone. Visceral metastasis, such as liver or brain, indicate a change in cancer biology and should raise the suspicion of neuroendocrine differentiation, which is a highly aggressive variant of prostate cancer associated with poor survival. Follow-up after definitive therapy of prostate cancer, digital rectal examination, and prostate-specific antigen, PSA, should be checked every four to six months after definitive treatment. PSA following radical prostatectomy should be undetectable, and any rise is considered a biochemical recurrence of prostate cancer. PSA monitoring after definitive radiotherapy is more difficult. The Phoenix criteria which is PSA rise greater than two nanograms per ml above PSA nadir. Helps to define the biochemical recurrence after definitive radiotherapy. Patients with localized recurrence may be eligible for salvage therapy, but distant recurrence is considered incurable. When to refer. All patients with a suspicion of prostate cancer should be referred to an urologist The management of high-risk or metastatic prostate cancer requires a multidisciplinary team of medical oncology, urology, radiation oncology, and pain management. Multiple-choice question. A 60-year-old man with a history of Gleason 8 localized prostate cancer treated with a radical prostatectomy 13 months ago recently developed a detectable PSA to 25 nanograms per ml. A CT scan of the abdomen and pelvis demonstrated enlarged retroperitoneal and bilateral pelvic lymph nodes up to two centimeters and sclerotic bone metastasis in the thoracic and lumbar spine. An MRI of the spine demonstrates focal blastic bone metastasis to T1, L4 and L2 without evidence of spinal epidural extension. He denies difficulty with ambulation or any other focal neurologic complaints. He complains only of mild fatigue. On physical examination, he appears comfortable. Palpation of the spine reveals no tenderness. He has a full range of motion and normal strength, normal sensation and reflexes of the lower extremities. The remainder of the examination is unremarkable. What is the best initial step in the management? A, biclutamide and leuprolide. B. Palliative radiotherapy to the spine. C. docetaxel plus prednisone. D. Luprolide monotherapy. E. Ketoconazole. The answer is A. biclatamide and luprolite. This patient is symptomatic, likely castration-sensitive metastatic prostate cancer to lymph nodes and bone. Prostate cancer is exquisitely sensitive to androgen deprivation therapy and greater than 80% of the patients will have a response. Duprolide monotherapy, choice D, is a gonadotropin-releasing hormone agonist and therefore causes an initial testosterone surge that can last for up to two weeks before the levels become castrate. During this period, additional androgen receptor blockade, example, biclutamide, should be given to prevent tumor flare from the testosterone surge, which can be especially problematic in a patient with bone metastasis that is already painful. Palliative radiotherapy, choice B, may be used for painful bone lesions and docetaxel plus prednisone, choice C, is used in patients with castration-resistant prostate cancer. This patient likely has castration-sensitive disease. Ketoconazole is a CYP17 inhibitor that is very effective in rapidly reducing serum testosterone levels, is not associated with the risk of tumour flare and can be effective in treating painful spine metastasis. However, ketoconazole also has significant toxicities including nausea, vomiting, rash, fatigue and hepatotoxicity which in this patient who is asymptomatic and has not yet received gonadotropin releasing hormone therapy would not be warranted. This podcast is derived from an outstanding chapter on genitourinary cancers in Baliga's textbook of internal medicine with 1480 multiple-choice questions. The chapter is authored by Dr. Arjun Bilar, MD, who is the director of genitourinary medical oncology program at NYU Langone's Paul Cancer Center, and by Dr. Matthew Viloski, MD, the George Gabriel Villar Distinguished Professor of Bladder and Genitourinary Cancer Research at the UNC Lineberger Comprehensive Cancer Center in North Carolina.